0: Amen. So we're going to be in the last two sections of Psalm 119, the last two stanzas. You'll remember there's 22 stanzas of eight, 22 sections of eight lines each, and we're going to go right to the end, the last two sections. You know that uh, this, the Psalm is one of the, Psalm 119 is the longest, longest Psalm. And we're gonna be starting in 161 to 168 will be the first section, and then 169 to 176 will be the second section. In these two sections, there's a lot of repetition or a lot of repeating, a lot of going on, but, but here's what I just wrote down, just sitting in the back row. Listening to the worship songs tonight giving him the highest praise, what I wrote down was simply this, reflection and appreciation. I think that's more of the way that these last two stanzas go. He writes something and then he gives praise. I love your precepts. I love your ordinances. I, I love your law. Great appreciation for all that the Lord has done. Now we don't know who wrote Psalm 119. Some say David, some say Daniel, some say Ezra. But regardless of who wrote it, it's very in the now, it's very pertinent for this day. I'm just wondering how much appreciation and how much reflection we have on all the things that the Lord has done for us up until this very moment in time. If I'm really honest with you, I would say that I probably don't do as much reflecting and really as much appreciation as I ought to. In the reading of this text over the last week or two over and over again, I've grown into into a new greater appreciation for what the Lord has done. And not only what the Lord has done, but what the Lord continues to do. How much more I love the law How much more I love his precepts, his ordinances. And how much I actually think I understand how much he loves me. Even in spite of myself. Even in spite of my doubt and fear. He still loves me. And he still loves you. When doubt and fear and all these things come in, there's a reflection and an appreciation that you need to turn to to look and just see where God has brought you to even at this moment in time. I was trying to figure out why. Why was he doing all this? Why why at the very last two stanzas did he start doing this? (laughs) <laughs> ran out of time. I don't think, I'm not so sure he ran out of time. I think it's probably about uh, what God gave him to write down. I was trying to figure out why he would write this and, and the best that I can come up with is that this is a beautiful psalm. Now they're all beautiful. There's a couple of verses in this Psalm 119 that that I really take the heart. And the first one is one, nine, Psalm one nineteen eleven. Your word I have hidden in my heart, so that I may not sin against you. Why is that important? It's important because His word dwells within each and every one of us as a believer. And it helps us to be better people. It helps us to serve him better. It helps us to love him better. It helps us to depend on him even better. It's about that personal relationship with him. The other one is Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. One of the overarching words or themes in this particular section is his word. John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy what? Thy word is truth. It's his word that I've written on the tablets of my heart that I may not sin against him. It's his word that illuminates my past so I know where to go. It's the light that dwells within me through the power of the Holy Spirit that directs my steps. So when I look at this, it's about the reflection and the appreciation for what God has done. And I think the the writer of this is doing that, is, is maybe, you know, I, I can't definitively say that, right? Because I'm not in his shoes, nor do I know firsthand, but When you read this, you can't help but understand or I I can't help but feel as though as though he's just showing by through the word, his love and appreciation for where God has brought him. The way that he's brought him there, he's got a new appreciation for the precepts and the laws and the ordinances of God. God. So when you think about that, so it's no wonder that he would wait till the last two stanzas to write this so that we could have it even now. Before we get into the actual text, as you know, this is the Greek or the Hebrew alphabet, and so each stanza starts with. Um, the letter of of the alphabet, and this one is S or Shin or Sheen would be Sheen, and the Sheen translates into truth. It's a symbol of a truth. The W you can bring it down. See the middle. You, you can see it kind of goes, and it's a W. It's symbolic for tooth or teeth, which is interesting because God has the power to devour, destroy, and devastate anything that comes our way. Are you with me on that? His power is so powerful that it goes before us for those who believe and trust in him and it devours the things that are tearing you up for, an ultimate, for a goal of peace. Now, I'm sure that you can look back in your life and go, man, there was this time when this just came at me and it was so bad, it was so bad and I turned it over to the Lord and the Lord somehow devoured it or taken it away from me and I had peace in the midst of what was going on. I do many, many memorials and you can tell the difference between a believer and a non-believer. You can tell the difference when the families that are in the audience and they're going... And they're, they like have no hope. They're devastated beyond repair, because they have nothing to turn to. It's a picture of Jesus devouring that thing that's tearing you up, when you turn to him, and in the midst of all that's going on, you have peace. Shalom, S. Yes. Shalom, we call it peace. And it's that peace that surpasses all understanding. And people sometimes can't realize, how can you be so calm and peaceful in the midst of the storm you're going through? The illness you have, the illness in your family, the loss of a job, the devastation that's going on all around you, is even that we see it in this world today. How can you be so peaceful? How can you be so calm? It's because of the one that goes before us that has the power to devastate, destroy, and wipe out those things for those who put their faith and trust in him. There's so much chaos going on. This COVID thing. Oh, that's right, it expired the other day, sorry. I had to say that, right? Was it yesterday? It expired. No. But Seriously, some people are really sick and I don't, wanna, I don't want to uh, make light of that too much. <laughs> but we're all going to get sick. But the idea is that God is going before us the God makes a way when there seems to be no way. And I just want to touch on the second section for a second because I want you to understand what the Tav is. The Tav, it's an X. The Tav, it's an X or a cross. It's the sign of the cross or an X. Interesting that not even so many years ago, When a contract was signed, they would say, mark your X. Put your X there. Put your X. It was something that was symbolic, something that was uh, truth. In other words, when you signed your mark, you agreed to do whatever that contract was or whatever that payment was. You agreed to pay that. And it was your mark. It was your bond. It was truth. It was honorable and had real value to it. Well, when you think of this, this Tav, it's the sign of the cross. It's not there anymore. The cross is still there. The cross is still there, but he's not. It's the sign of the cross, which stands for truth. The truth of the cross shows us our need for salvation, shows us our need for the personal relationship with the creator of the world, the one that hung on the cross, that paid the price for our sins. The truth of his word. The truth of the matter of fact is that we cannot save ourselves. Tried many times and failed many times. But there is one true Savior that hung on the cross, that paid the price for our sins. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that those who would believe in him would have life eternally. The Tav. We'll get to that in just a little bit. So let's read 119, 161 to 168. And it says this. Princes persecute me without cause, But my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. Verse 163, I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Those who love your law have great peace. Did you catch that? and nothing causes them to stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Let's back up to 162 again. It says, I rejoice at what? Your word. word." Remember? Your word is truth. As one who finds great spoil, as much in all the riches. I wrote this. This is, for those of you who know me, you'll understand this. Even finding the goose that lays the golden egg compares nothing to the testimony of the Lord. I wrote that thinking that there's nothing, there's nothing that compares to the Lord. And I don't know where the golden goose came from, but apparently that came out of my childhood somewhere. But even the golden goose doesn't compare. There's nothing that compares. I rejoice at your word. I have. Psalm 119.14 says, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Do you? Do we? Do we rejoice at his word? Sometimes we have to kind of step back and what does it mean to rejoice at his word? If I'm rejoicing, I'm happy. I'm praising, I'm, I'm happy, I'm elated, I'm overjoyed. I'm rejoicing at your word. Why would I want to rejoice at his word? Any number of reasons. His word is truth. His word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. His truth is what sets us free. In 163, it says, I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. In verse 29 of 119, it says, Remove the false way from me and graciously grant me your law. See, I hate what I do sometimes, but I'm grateful for his grace. I hate sometimes what I say, but I'm grateful for his grace. I hate what I think sometimes. Lord, help me. But I'm thankful for his grace. I hate what I feel sometimes. But I'm grateful for his grace. I hate and I despise falsehood. Isn't that the opposite? Truth, false, lie, truth, right, wrong, righteous, unrighteous? Do you hate those things? Do you despise falsehood? But I love your law funny because the law sometimes is really tough. Can you say, I love it when I fall short of the law? I can say it, but it hurts my heart. Because anything that grieves my father should grieve us as well. Amen. 164, seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Seven is probably uh, perhaps used because it's a number of perfection or completion. Meaning here that it's a continual attitude of praise and it characterizes a psalmist's life. Question, how often do we praise? Do we praise the Lord seven times a day? Do we praise the Lord one time a day? Do we praise the Lord at all at any day? Are we too busy? Are we too busy to praise the Lord? The worship tonight was incredible. Did you hear those songs? I will praise him. Why would we praise him? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out Where you've come from and where you are. I praise him because I'm not sitting in a jail cell. I'm praising him because I'm alive and I'm standing in front of you tonight, which is incredible. I praise him for you being here tonight. I praise you for being online tonight, being here, being a part of it. I praise him that his law corrects me when I get out of line. I praise him when his ordinances come upon me and I go, ah, blew that one. But his grace is sufficient. In 165 it says, those who love your law have what? Oh, great peace. Shalom. Peace. Isn't that... Part of the theme for this particular section, shalom, peace, sheen, tooth, the destruction of those things that comes around you to tear you up, and it gives you what? It gives you peace in the midst of those times. I think about, I think about Daniel in the lion's den. How much peace do you think you would have if you got thrown into a lion's den? he had shalom peace because he knew the creator. He knew the one that was going to help him in the time of need. Who was, in essence, going to devour, or in this case, shut the mouth of the lion so that he was safe and could be in there with what? With peace. I think it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. And yeah, it was hot. Even the, even the guys that tried to toss them in got fried, fried on the spot. So it was real, and it was real hot. But those guys were in there and not a hair was singed. They looked down and there was a fourth one in there called the Son of Man to give him peace, to give them peace in the midst of the fire. You may be going through a fire tonight and wondering where your peace is going to come from. You may have people coming around you trying to seek and kill and devour and destroy you. And you may wonder, how am I going to have peace in the midst of this? Turn to God. Turn to Jesus. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. The peace master, if you might. He's the one that gives us peace in the midst of whatever's going on. He did that for Daniel. He did that for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And he did it for many others across as you continue to read. And he does that for us every single day as we walk. As we walk this time out here on earth. In 165, those who love your law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Mark your Bibles, if you're taking notes, and go over to Second Peter chapter one, or chapter 1. Hang with me just for a second. I think I might have messed up. Oh, no, 1, 2 Peter 1, yeah. I got it. here we go let's read 1 through 10 Simon Peter a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received a faith the same as kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God And of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust, now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and your moral excellence knowledge. And then your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. For he who lacks these qualities is blind, short-sighted, and having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you for as long as you practice these things, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. For those who love the law have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. By walking in the spirit of truth, by walking in his ways, he empowers us to not stumble. You can say, I'm stumbling. You're stumbling because you're taking your eyes off of Jesus. Remember Peter walking on the water? He was walking on the water and he had his eyes focused on Jesus. The minute he took his eyes off of Jesus, he what? He sank like a rock. But that's not the end of the story. Because what did Jesus do? He reached out and grabbed him. And so Peter reached back. That connected again and brought him back. That's what our God does for us. His hand is not too short to be able to reach you in any given moment in time, no matter what you're going through. He doesn't turn a blind eye to you. He wants to be there. He wants to help you. He wants to walk with you. He wants you not to stumble, but you have to do something in return. You have to be committed. You have to follow him. You have to be committed to following his ways. You have to love his precepts and his ordinances. Not just willy-nilly, I'm going to do this one and not do that one. You have to love them all, and you have to try to do them all. Of course, we know that we fail. But that's where his grace comes in. That's where his grace comes in. That's where when Peter took his eyes off of him and he sank, grace came in. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Reach back and grab a hold of my hand. Let's get back in the boat. Let's Let's get get on with the business. Let's get on with the business of the day. 166, I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. I hope for your salvation. How does our hope come to the risen Savior? Through the cross, the sacrifice of the only begotten Son. I hope for your salvation, Lord, and do your commandments. Sometimes I wonder, and I can really only speak for myself, and you have to kind of ask these questions to yourself, you know. Do I. Do I hope for your salvation? It's a promise. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, there's hope beyond these four walls or however many walls we got going at all different angles. There's hope beyond this sanctuary. But our hope is not in ourselves. It's in Christ, the risen Savior. In 167, it says, my soul keeps your testimonies and I love them exceedingly. My soul, the deepest part of man, loves them exceedingly. More than anything, loves his testimonies. The deepest part of who I am wants to keep his testimonies. I love them even more than life itself. Can I say that? I wish I could say it all the time. I live in this body of sin. A spiritual battle that's going on inside. We all have that, right? Am I the only one that has a spiritual battle going on inside? But I want to love him with the deepest, the deepest love. The deepest part. 168. 168. I keep, I keep your precepts. So precepts are the guiding principle are used to control, influence, or regulate conduct. For example, the Ten Commandments are found in the Ten Commandments. And your testimonies, they testify for all my ways before you. So let me read it again. I keep your precepts and your testimonies for all my ways are before you. There's nothing that we do that can do that God doesn't know about. God, you know that I keep your precepts to the best of my ability. God, you know the desire of my heart is to follow you with everything that I've got. And all my ways are before you. You know my comings, you know my goings. In fact, write this down, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. 12 and 13 says this. For the word of God, here we go with what? The word again, right? The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as a division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He can judge the intentions of our heart, folks. He knows what we're going to do before we even do it. He's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That's tough. You ever really thought about that? You know, we have these little secret compartments in our heart, so to speak, right? Now, these little doors, you know, little closets and little cubby holes that we stuff the, the bad stuff in so nobody will see it. That's not true. He sees it. He sees it. And he wants us to get rid of it. He wants us to bring it to the light so it can be exposed, so that it can deal with it, so he can devour it. You have to acknowledge it. Lord, I need you. I have this struggle. I have this thing, Lord. I need your help. And sometimes that's just what he's waiting for, for you to ask for help. Lord, I can't deal with this anymore. I recognize, Lord, my weakness in the midst of this, and I need your power. I need your strength. I need you to come alongside and help me. And guess what? The sun comes up the next day, and you go, I I made it through. I made it through. And so then we go back and we reflect and appreciate. I can reflect on the things that I went through and appreciate the way that I got through them through the power of His Holy Spirit. It's His power that gets us through these things. When our dependence is on Him, He is right there. But He's a gentleman. Hey, John, you want to do it on your own? Go right ahead. I usually fall flat on my face. (laughs) That's why my nose is skinned up all the time. I keep falling on my face. You only fall so many times and you think I've had enough, right? In the drug world, they would say, come to the end of yourself. So let's move into the next stanza, the last eight verses. Again, it's Tav, the sign of the cross, truth. And in verse 169, it says, "'Let my cry come before you, O Lord. "'Give me understanding according to your word.'" "'Word.'" "'According to your word.'" This word is written on the tablets of these pages. For our benefit, they should be transposed on the tablets of our heart. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Let me cry before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. You might say, complete submission, Lord. I, I turn it all over to you, Lord, in complete submission. Give me understanding, or you might say, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. James 1.5 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him, but he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of a sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Questions? Question. Are you asking God for wisdom and understanding to be able to walk through these times? Or are you just taking it on your own? It's like hitting your head over and over again. Or it's like what? The definition of insanity, right? same thing over and over again. Getting the same response, right? Is that you? Is that me? Sometimes. Sometimes my head gets pretty battered. Verse 170, let my supplication or let my request come before you. Deliver me according to your... Wow. Word. 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 Thy word is truth. Let my request come before you and deliver me, Lord. Lord, you know the things that I struggle with. You know my shortcomings. You know my shortfalls. Help me to overcome those, Lord. Let me hear your answer, O Lord. Not my will, but yours be done. Lord, in these situations. Lord, I want to do things on my own, on my own way. But Lord, they are the wrong way. Help me, Lord. Redirect me. Refocus me. Do whatever it takes, Lord. Verse 171, let my lips utter praise. Let the words of your mouth praise the Lord. For you teach me your statutes, or God's commandments are his statutes, the rules and their laws. Teach me your statutes. Teach me those things, Lord. I'm slow learner. I'm a slow learner, Lord. Teach me. And I think there's an appreciation here where this writer of this is, is understanding. I think this is, all praising God. I think you could probably say, my lips are praising you, Lord. You, you teach me your, stu- your statutes, and Lord, I, I, I walk in them the best I can. Praise you, Lord, for giving me the ability to do that. For giving me the drive to even want to do that. My BC days, I didn't want to do that. I didn't even know what it was, and I certainly didn't want to do it. And even when I first came to become a believer, I didn't want to do it. You got to be kidding me. You, you can't drink? You can't get drunk? Well, if I'm not going to drink, if I, I can't drink. If I can't get drunk? Well, if I can't get drunk, I'm not going to drink. It doesn't make any sense. Why waste the time and the money? Talk about respecting people. Respect your bride. Respect your friends. That was all foreign. Because everything was about me. Absolutely. Absolutely. But now it's let, the, let my lips utter praise. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. You know? Man. God is so good. And he's good all the time. Wow. Let my lips praise him. Verse 172. Let my tongue sing of your... Come on. Word. Word. Word up. Yeah, word up, baby. Word. (laughs) Word. Let my tongue sing of your word for all your commandments are righteous. Wow. Give me a wow, Paul. All your words are righteous. Let my tongue sing. In Luke 6, 45, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil for his mouth Speaks from that which fills his heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What comes out of your mouth? (laughs) A lot of nipperisms. For those of you who know what a nipperism is, yeah. What fills your heart? You can pretty much tell a person just by talking to them for a few minutes where they're at. If every other word starts with whatever, you know what I'm saying? Then you know there's something what their heart is filled with, right? And they're probably hurting. They're probably hurting a whole lot. They need to come to an understanding and a healing that takes place and a transformation that takes place not only in your mind and heart, but in your whole being, when you come to Christ. You talk about Shalom, you talk about peace. You talk about these things, where do they come from. They come from God. They come from Jesus. They come from that holy Spirit that takes residence in our life and in our body that guides us and directs us into all righteousness. He takes that potty mouth and takes it away. He takes away the cravings for the drugs and the alcohol and all the other things that I won't go into detail that come into play when you're running down the road to hell. He changes those things. And I want to sing about them. I want to sing. I love the worship. Tonight was, I just really loved Everything was centered around praising the Lord. Praising him, praising him, highest praise. Give him the highest praise. Wow. 173, let your hand be ready to help me for I have chosen your precepts. (laughs) I was supposed to use the Peter here, but I used it earlier, so. So you kind of get the point, right? I kind of got ahead of my notes a little bit, but that's cool. But it's very true, though. Outstretched harm, your, your hand, be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. When you're walking in the Spirit, walking in the way of the Lord, his hand is there to help you. His hand is stretched out there to help you walk through the difficult times. He is with you. 174, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Wow, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight, happiness. Your law, through your salvation, our salvation produces happiness and peace and joy in my life. Knowing that, that when I close my eyes here, My eyes will open in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That is the hope that we have. Why can we not rejoice? Why can we not delight in the law of the Lord? We know the law doesn't save us, but it points out our deficiencies, our errors, our sin and puts us back on the right path through repentance. 175, let my soul live that it may praise you and let your ordinances help me. Rituals like baptisms and communion, all those things are good in their sense that they help us, remind us when we when we take the cup and when we take the, the bread or the cracker, symbolic of remembering, do this in remembrance of me, when we, when we have a baptism, the symbolic dying to ourselves and raising, those things are all reminders to help us stay on track. Not only when we have baptisms are they a blessing to the people that are being baptized, but they're a blessing to the congregation who gets to watch that. Amen. And it helps us to be refreshed in our mind about the things that are going on. The lives, listen, the lives that are being transformed through the what? Say it Word, Word of God. The conviction of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. 176. I got to hurry because I'm over time. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Man, I was really wondering about this particular verse. why Why would he put, I have gone astray like a lost sheep? Why would he say that at the very last, the very last line of Psalm 119? And I think this, for whatever that's worth, I think he's referring to that he has not arrived. Recognize even more the need for a close personal relationship. And that's going back to Psalm 119.11. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. The struggle of doing what's right in a fallen world. There is definitely a struggle. We all fall short and God loves us in spite of ourselves. As a believer, he indwells with us and and the Holy Spirit comes inside to help us overcome any and all situations. Maybe not the way that we wanted to, but the way that he wants us to. Not my will, but his will be done. I want to, I'm going to close with Romans chapter seven. You want to write it down or if you want to go there. Um, Romans, Romans. Romans chapter 7. Now, this is a struggle that Paul went through. It's a struggle that we all go through. We have gone astray like a lost sheep. You know, this, uh, the idea is that we, we can't, you know, that we are sinful people. We're on the road to becoming new or becoming pure so to speak. But there's a struggle that goes along with them. And Paul had this, this very struggle in 7.14. Let's see. 7.14. It says, For I know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, right? Sold into bondage. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I like to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. But if I do the very thing that I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but the sin which dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I want. But if I am doing the very thing I do what want, I am no longer the one doing it, but the sin that dwells within me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, verse 23. But I see a different law than the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of death? Thanks to be to God, through our Jesus Christ our Lord, so that on one hand, I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. Even in the last lines, the last stanzas of this beautiful psalm, the writer confesses, if you will, his struggles. His struggles then are struggles in Paul's day and are in struggles in our life today. The things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I shouldn't do, Lord, forgive me, but I do. There are constant struggles. And it goes back to to the sheen, if you will, or to the teeth or to the, devouring as God comes in and he devours those things and he helps us change and mold back into the things that we're supposed to be for his glory and for his namesake Amen. but we have to put our faith and our trust in him without doubting we have to lean on him trust in him believe on him with understanding so that we can too can have success and victory over those things that we struggle with I don't know what your struggle is tonight. Sometimes my struggle is just, I don't know. I don't even know sometimes. I got so many struggles. Amen. But I think we all got struggles. Amen, church? Amen. So, but the, the point being here is that if you haven't, and I know most of you out here, and I know most of you are saved, but if there's somebody online watching tonight, Or maybe one of you I've kind of just walked away from for a moment in time. It's time to return to your first love. It's time to return to the cross. It's time to have peace again in your life. It's time to let God come in and devour those things that are eating you up inside. We can dress up and be all pretty on the outside, but man, there's just some sour stuff going on inside. But God's here tonight and he wants to go inside you and he wants to help clean you up. He wants to straighten that mess out for you tonight. If that's you, let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come before you, we just want to thank you. I thank you, Lord, for this word, for your word. Your word is truth, Lord. I thank you for everyone here tonight, Lord. And I would pray if there's anyone in this room, anyone online, Lord Jesus, that's struggling with these things, Lord. I pray tonight, Lord, that they would confess it and give it over to you. Lord, for those who don't have a relationship with you, I pray, Lord, that they would cry out and just ask you to be Lord of their life and receive you as their personal Lord and Savior. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you so much, Lord, for this time, for this opportunity. And Lord, we just, we give it to you. We give it all to you. We love your law. We love your precepts. And we love your ordinances. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.